Our second lesson this morning comes from the Gospel of Matthew, chapter 5, verses 1 through 12, and it can be found on page 4 of your Pew Bibles. When Jesus saw the crowds, he went up the mountain, and after he sat down, his disciples came to him. Then he began to speak and taught them, saying, Blessed are the poor in spirit, for theirs is the kingdom of heaven. Blessed are those who mourn, for they will be comforted. Blessed are the meek, for they will inherit the earth. Blessed are those who hunger and thirst for righteousness, for they will be filled. Blessed are the merciful, for they will receive mercy. Blessed are the pure in heart, for they will see God. Blessed are the peacemakers, for they will be called children of God. Blessed are those who are persecuted for righteousness' sake, for theirs is the kingdom of heaven. Blessed are you when people revile you and persecute you and utter all kinds of evil against you falsely on my account. Rejoice and be glad, for your reward is great in heaven. For in the same way they persecuted the prophets who were before you. This is the word of the Lord. Thanks be to God. The Lutheran pastor, Nadia Boltzweber, started a church in Denver, Colorado, called House of All Sinners and Saints. She herself is a recovering alcoholic and came to her pastoral calling through a 12-step group. She has a penchant for curse words and a lot of tattoos. And her church has attracted all kinds of people, including those who never thought they would be welcome in a church. As a community, they like to say their motto is, we are anti-excellence, pro-participation. And this shows up in their worship every week. Worship is led by the people who show up. Literally, there's a basket at the entrance to the sanctuary, and as you come in, you pull a piece of paper out of it, and that tells you what you're doing in worship that day. So the services can be unpredictable. What is predictable, as she shared in a recent interview, is that the congregation tends to find scripture hilarious. When someone reads the day's lesson, People don't just sit there quietly and reverently like you all just did so well. They laugh, oh, just like you, out loud. I wonder if that's what happened. When Jesus first spoke this series of blessings, we have come to know as the Beatitudes. I wonder if people laughed out loud or if they stood there staring with their mouths hanging open. If they weren't speechless, they might have said, I'm sorry, Jesus, did I just hear you say, blessed are the poor and those who mourn and those who are persecuted? If we really allow ourselves to hear these words as if for the very first time, Whether we find them hilarious or just plain confusing, 
We have to admit these words bear no resemblance to our understanding of what it means to be blessed. At 35 years old, Kate Bowler thought she had exactly the life she wanted, not to mention the one she had worked very hard for. She'd married her high school sweetheart, earned her Ph.D., and secured the teaching job of her dreams. She and her husband had a newborn baby boy, and she was leaning in to all the joys and challenges of motherhood. Then, out of the blue, with no family history and few symptoms, she was diagnosed with stage 4 cancer. With that diagnosis, her life was transformed in every way, physically, emotionally, spiritually. Bowler teaches at Duke Divinity School, where she is a professor of the history of Christianity in North America. Her particular expertise is the American prosperity gospel, the megachurch movement whose adherents believe that God grants health and wealth to those with the right kind of faith. In fact, Bowler's first book, which was a published version of her doctoral dissertation, was titled Blessed. Now, she studied the prosperity gospel as a scholar and a historian. Although she is a Christian, she didn't buy into the theology of the prosperity gospel. At least she thought she didn't. Until she was diagnosed with stage 4 cancer at age 35 and became instantly and undeniably aware of just how much she had succumbed to the belief that we can earn our way to a happy, healthy, beautiful life. That we can earn God's love and blessing by getting our faith right. Truth be told, most of us have succumbed to this belief. After all, it is embedded, either explicitly or implicitly, in many of our scriptures, including the psalm we heard this morning. Happy are those who do not follow the advice of the wicked or take the path that sinners tread, but their delight is in the law of the Lord. The word in this psalm translated as happy is a Hebrew word that can also be translated blessed. And it correlates to the Greek word that shows up in the Beatitudes and is translated blessed. The psalm is clear. God's blessing comes to those who make the right choices, who stay on the right path. Now, there are plenty of texts in both the Hebrew Bible and the New Testament that suggest there is more to God's blessing than happiness and health, and that this blessing is not predicated on what we do to earn it. But none of those texts are clearer or more disorienting than the Beatitudes. On an early episode of the presidential drama The West Wing, Press Secretary C.J. Craig and Deputy Chief of Staff Josh Lyman meet with three members of the organization Cartographers for Social Equality. 
These cartographers are lobbying the administration to pursue legislation that would require schools to use the Peters projection of the world map rather than the popular Mercator projection, which was created by the German cartographer Mercator in 1569. If you think of a map of the world up on a wall, you are probably picturing the Mercator projection. His map enlarges areas at the poles to create straight lines when you project that map on a flat surface. And this distorts the land masses on the map. On the Mercator projection, the cartographers explained to CJ and Josh, Greenland and Africa appear to be roughly the same size, when in reality, Africa is 14 times larger. Alaska appears to be three times larger than Mexico, but Mexico is actually bigger. If that weren't unsettling enough, Germany, which appears to be located roughly in the middle of the Mercator map, is actually located in the northernmost quarter of the Earth. Wait, wait, Josh says at one point. Are you telling me Germany isn't where we think it is? Nothing's where you think it is, one of the cartographers replies. And I know you might be wanting to see what the Peters projection looks like, so I don't mind if you look it up on your smartphones. (laughs) And this is the point where the cartographers show CJ and Josh for the first time the Peters projection, which has fidelity of axis and position. When the map appears on the screen, CJ blurts out, What is that? One of the cartographers responds, That is where you've been living this whole time. By the time we get to the Beatitudes in the Gospel of Matthew, the writer of the Gospel has gone to great lengths to convince us that this is the story of God's promised Messiah, the one predicted by the Hebrew prophets, the one the Jewish people have been longing and waiting for, the one who will overthrow the ruling powers and set God's people free. But from the beginning of his life until the end, Jesus is not the Messiah the people were expecting. And more than anything else Jesus says, it is the Beatitudes that reveal that what we thought we understood about who God is and how God works bears little resemblance to reality. We aren't living in the world we think we are. These blessings are not conditional statements. Jesus does not say, you are blessed if you are mourning, or if you are poor in spirit, or if you are persecuted. Instead, they are pronouncements. Jesus is stating facts. And these facts don't just resize the land masses on our spiritual maps they throw the maps we've been using out the window. Not only are we not living in the world we thought we were, but God isn't who we thought God was. Now this Hebrew word that begins Psalm 1, the one that gets translated as happy or blessed, it means literally to find the right road. 
What happens if we view the Beatitudes through this lens? What if Jesus is telling us that wherever we find ourselves today, we are on the right road? And that we are on the right road. We are blessed. Because there is no circumstance where God cannot be found. No situation that God does not seek to transform through God's mercy and love. What if Jesus is saying that blessing is not revealed by our external circumstances or appearances, but by God's relationship with us, God's determination to be with us no matter what. God's blessing is not earned because we do something right. And God's blessing is not proportional to how healthy or wealthy or happy or successful we appear to be. The Beatitudes claim that it is the nature of God not to pick and choose whom God favors, but to favor all people, even those who may look like they have been singled out for suffering, even those we think are the last people who deserve God's blessing. Writing about the Beatitudes, Nadia Boltz-Weber imagines Jesus offering some new, updated ones. Blessed are those who have nothing to offer. Blessed are those who can't fall apart because they're keeping it together for everybody else. Blessed are the underemployed, the unimpressive, the underrepresented. Blessed are the wrongly accused and the undocumented. Blessed are those who know there has to be more than this because they're right. Blessed are the burned-out social workers and the overworked teachers and the pro bono case takers. Blessed are the kids who step between the bullies and the weak. I would add a few more. Blessed are those whose hearts are broken because a loved one's life has been cut short by senseless violence. Blessed are those racked with guilt and shame over something they did this morning or 40 years ago. Blessed are the politicians, all the politicians. Blessed are the truth-tellers, even when no one believes them. Boltzweber writes, I imagine Jesus standing there blessing us all, because I believe that is our Lord's nature. After all, it was Jesus who came to us in the most vulnerable of ways, as a powerless flesh and blood newborn. As if to say, you may hate your bodies, but I am blessing all human flesh. You may admire strength and might, but I am blessing all human weakness. You may seek power, but I am blessing all human vulnerability. 
She goes on, This Jesus whom we follow cried at the tomb of his friend and turned the other cheek and forgave those who hung him on a cross. He was God's beatitude, God's blessing to the weak in a world that admires only the strong. Being blessed is not about what we have or what we've accomplished. It's about being on a journey with God and with one another. On this journey, our compass is Jesus, God's beatitude in the flesh, his words, his actions, his life, death, and resurrection. These are constant reminders for us to reimagine our concepts of weakness and strength, power and love. May we know, today and every day, that there is no path we can take on which God does not accompany us, no state of mind, body, or spirit that God's love does not surround Nowhere we can go where God is not waiting with open arms to call us beloved. Wherever you find yourself today, whatever path you are on, God is with you. And by that, you are blessed. Amen. Because we didn't have the baptism today, we're going to take the opportunity now to stand and affirm our faith together with the words of the Apostles' Creed, which you will find in your bulletin. Christian.